Good morning, ladies, and welcome to our second installment about Rosh Hashanah. What I hope to accomplish today is, again, get us into the frame of mind, the mood for Rosh Hashanah. I also hope to finish the Aleinu, very imperative, because that is the central focus. We talked about the greatness of it last week. I don't you'll have to hear the previous class. I don't want to review too much. There's going to be like one line I want to review. And then we are going to go a mini probe into the Zichronos and Shofros. You know, there's three, like, three-pronged attack on Rosh Hashanah. The Musaf has three main themes. One is God's kingship, Machias. Then there's Zichronos, where how God remembers everything and how we're supposed to remember everything we do. And the third thing is the blowing of the shofar. And we're going to tie that all in together and give us some type of structure to think about when Rosh Hashanah comes. There's just two points I want to review with you. One, I wanted to expand. And the other one, I wanted to just restate. Um, first, with Hashem, which I, I, I spoke about last week, but I want to expand about a little more by giving a mushal. And the mushal is, if two people come to a marriage counselor to work on their relationship, you know, I guess it's a marriage if it's if they're going to marriage counselor. Anyways, if they're going to a relationship expert, the first question, and I'm not a marriage counselor, even though, believe it or not, sometimes when you teach uh, people going for conversion, you have to be a lot of things. In any case, um, the, uh, the, the, the first question anybody that has brains in their head would ask them is, do you both want the relationship? When they both say yes, then we have to clean up the act. So that muscle is the muscle for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. First, you want to reestablish your relationship. This is commemorating when man, the first man, was created, and he sinned on that day as well, and was, to some extent, um, so too we revisit that day. This is when we are renewing our vows to speak with our friends. Um, Yom Kippur is when we deal with the details that, that ruined our relationship. Now, it's still from a Sarah's Yemei Teshuvah. It's from the 10 days of repentance because the whole idea of repentance is to come close to Hashem again. And so that is Teshuva, you know, and the whole thing is to focus on Hashem. We talked about 48 hours of trying to just focus on praising and making Hashem our king. That is our focus for 48 hours, not to get into ourselves as, as little as possible. We said there is room why, when you say the end of Shemana Esra, you can ask all your requests because, after all, it is the Yom HaDin, and people know their level. Our level today, we, we know we're not worthy of uh, making personal requests, uh, if I'm not making personal requests. So we do it at the end of reserve it for the end of Shemana Esra, but our focus should try to be for the 48 hours how we can make Hashem more of a king in our lives, how he make him the king. Now, the... Um, the second thing I wanted to review was we said a story from the Gateshead Mashkiach that years ago in Gateshead there was some type of major uh, health crisis and barely a minion showed up for Rosh Hashanah. So it's similar to our year where a lot of people are not going to shul this year. They're not going to feel that inspiration that they normally feel. And the, the feeling that people were all wondering, why did Hashem do this to us? Why are we in such a situation and there's many reasons, of course, and it's beyond anyone to know, but the the, the at that point answered that Hashem wants to know if you have Yerushalayim in your pajamas. That means what we're trying to say is 
Yerushamayim, okay, we're all inspired hearing a chazan and Unasana Tokef and all these beautiful, you know, the hymns that we sing, and we're all, you know, we with the harmonies and with the movement and the shofar and the, the all the everyone together davening, you see people crying, and it's very inspirational. But the brass tacks are really what takes place in our hearts and minds, the change. That's a temporary, that's an emotion. Roshana is not, it helps, the emotion can help Kavana, but when you don't have it, the real bottom line is, are you willing to make changes? Are you willing to change your allegiance and make your allegiance more pure? That is really what Roshana is about, and it's without emotion. And some litvish yeshivas, uh, let's say my, my grandson, Stavinson Peekskill, okay, uh, there were a lot of, um, in that yeshiva, it's a little extreme, but it's the way the original Muslim movement was. There is no nigunim at all. Like, I think today, I, I personally can't understand it, but they do it because the whole thing is self-working. You know, working on your self-introspection and self-work. It's not like, you know, being inspired. That's the momentary, momentary feeling. You know, it's not what's urgent. What's urgent is, what do you do with it? In fact, I heard, I forgot who, I think it's Bishem Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, that if a person finds himself crying in Rosh Hashanah, he should know at that moment he or she is being judged. And that doesn't mean you're doing anything stupendous. It means like, okay, what are you doing with this crying with the tears? You know, like that is really what Rosh Hashanah is about. Now, there's a lot more, and it's, you know, it's all about the day to have Yerushalayim to make major changes in our life. So now let's continue. We left off in the Aleinu last week. We were talking about Vanachnu Korim. And I did it quickly. I just want to start there because it's a place, good place to start. So we say after we've assumed, we're talking about what our mandate is in life and what our mission is in life and how we, our mission is to serve the Creator. The first thing we say is Vanachnu Korim. We, we bend down. We, you know, we bend our knees. Now, some people go to the shit when they did do it in the time of the base of Migdash, they, um, they would put something under their knees in order to not show that they're to the ground. You know, they're not uh, uh, ground worshippers. The, uh, um, the uh, what's it called? Now, so the, the, the first thing that, what that means is we have to think, when we do Korim, we have to think, that you don't bow to the ground only in Chazaras Hashat, only when they repeat the Shemona Esri. For those people not going, we don't do it if you're not in shul. Um, I asked Rabbi Lowy, he said you can do the entire Chazaras Hashat if you'd like at home. It's just, um, of course, not Kedusha. You don't do, you know, Kedusha. You can't do that without a minion. But anything else in the Rosh Hashanah prayers you can say at home. Now, Korah means that we're giving in. That's really what it means. I'm, I'm subjugating myself. I'm giving it to you, Hashem. Now, of course, giving it to Hashem includes human beings. We have to believe that everyone that's in our lives was put there by Hashem. And we, by giving in to people, we're really showing Hashem that it's not like something in your world is not, is not perfect. Everybody is perfectly situated in our life for a reason in order for us to improve our mitos and to get closer to Hashem. And if there's some that we happen to be related to, then um, we have to, of course, you don't have to be best friends with them if they're very difficult, but we do have to give them respect and honor because it says, Did you uh, make Hashem king over you twice daily? 
And Hamalachtas Chavercha, did you make your friend king over you? Did you give him proper respect, being in the image of God? And we don't understand everybody, and we can't understand if God has a good sense of humor that he made people totally opposite existing in the same world. And we have to give everybody respect for the great qualities that they have. Ravmatitio Solomon Shlita once said, he brought down the Chassid Yaivitz, who was a very big Tzaddik, a, a Sephardi Tzaddik, like after the Inquisition times, I think 1600s, I, I, I would venture. Anyways, the Chassid Yaivitz once said, why does Mashiach have to come from a Yibum relationship? Yibum, you know, is a leveret marriage, like there's an obligation if somebody died without children, he, uh, then his wife has got to first try to marry his brother. If it's, you know, because, you know, and, and the soul born to them would be the soul of the departed. Now, you don't have to, but if it works, then a person should first try that. <clears throat> Why is Yibum, but in, in the taste of Mashiach, we find, let's say, Tamar um, mar tried to marry Yehuda. Uh, the whole idea of Rus and Boaz, <clears throat> that keeps showing itself throughout, you know, the... the progeny, the, not the progeny, the, uh, the background of Mashiach. Why? The answer given by the Chassid Yaivitz is that if you want to bring Mashiach, he says, and when we talk about bringing Mashiach, it's very relevant for Rosh Hashanah. What does Mashiach mean to us? That's a time where Hashem will rule over the whole world and finally will be given his proper appreciation. The world will come to recognize that there's no one else but Hashem. There's nothing else in the world that matters but Hashem. And that's really where our allegiance belongs. However, when we do that, you know, that, that's Mashiach. That's really what Mashiach is. It's just everyone coming to recognize Hashem and nothing standing in their way. Now, Mashiach, the way first to bring Mashiach is to the way you treat your own family. That's what the Chassid Yaivetz tells us. The way we, if you want to bring Mashiach by you giving in to family members and, you know, only, only pick the big battles and not to, you know, and, 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 and don't sweat the small stuff and, and trying to just live in harmony with other people, and especially our family who are the biggest test in our life, those are the people that we get the brownie points. Because it says, Anochi omeid beinechem ubein Hashem. In Sefer Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I now stand between you and Hashem. Why is it worded that way? In Hasidic Shesfarim, we're told that the anochi, the ego, is what stands between us and Hashem. That if we remove and eradicate that ego, that's how we can get closer to Hashem. So anachtu korim, we eradicate that. Very famous thing I've mentioned in the past is that Rav Chaskel Abramsky, who was a big rub in London, big, big one of the gedolim in his time, uh, this was again like, I don't know, in the 50s, I would say, 60s, he, uh, when he would fall Korim, his students would ask him, what are you thinking about when you fall Korim? He said, I'm thinking about different organizations that Hashem should help them. That's to the degree, so it's not just on Rosh Hashanah to think about Hashem 48 hours, if we think about others. We just get outside of ourselves. That's why it's such a manucha, pleasure. That's the Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. Even though we're being judged, the pleasure is we don't have all these distractions on the line, and we don't we don't want to be distracted with ourselves. And when we get when we get the ourselves out of it, ourself is what gets in the way of our relationship with Hashem. Why do we do sins? Why do we commit averus? Because we all of a sudden say, "I need this. I want that. I feel like this." It's me. But once we think of 
duty and responsibility, then we're on the right track. Okay. After we've done the Korim of ridding ourselves of our, you know, ourselves and, and, and trying to give in to others, the next thing is in our actions, uh, in the external part of ourselves, the actions, we bow down. Because that's even further bowing than just acknowledging other people or acknowledging Hashem. What does this mean? I saw something beautiful last Shabbos um, for Victor Miller's Atzal. The very interesting thing that I never understood properly. It says about tshuva, Kikarov hadavar elecha ma'od. It's so easy to do tshuva. Beficha ubilvav chalasoso. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart to do it. Now, Victor Miller asked the question that I never thought of, and that is, what, it's so easy to do tshuva? Do you know the levels we're supposed to reach? Each person is going to give a din the cheshpin, and did you reach who, the of who you could have been? You know, it says so many other places. It says so hard. In tichvasenik kekesev, if you're going to go searching for your shemayim, like silver and gold, us tavin yishem. And one of the commandments is you're supposed to have your shemayim. It's a big, it's not an easy task. And it's why we don't see Hashem. So the, uh, it's, it's not something that comes naturally to us. So what does it mean? It's so easy. So Victor Miller says, what is easy is if you externally be a hypocrite and you say the things to yourself you should say and you say them with kavana, it'll affect your mind, which he said is the essence of a person, and it'll affect your actions. So here we talked about mishtachavim umodim, by giving in to other people. And also modem means, in this case, by, you'll finally, I'm sorry, mishtachavim means that by saying certain things, like, for example, we're in a bad mood. If we shouldn't say instead, everything's okay. Thank you, Rivka. All right, I'm going to speak slower because she said the sound is not keeping up with me. I have a problem in this apartment. There's a firewall, and it's a problem for computers, and that's my issue. Now, there, um, the um, so yeah, I lost my train of thought, but here we go. So, if a person says certain things, certain he knows they're true. Like you tell yourself, everything's good in my life, and you say all the good things you should appreciate. Little by little, that'll dispel the darkness. Or we say, he said hundreds of times, we're saying Hashem Malach, God is King. We say it in many different ways and forms on Rosh Hashanah. Why do we need to say it so many times? We know it's true because our, it should be absorbed in our heart. And then it'll, by putting it in, saying it over and over again, you absorb it. It becomes one with you. That's why we daven so many times in general. So, we do certain things. He said something very interesting, that whenever you think something, your vocal cords are resonating slightly, what you just thought about. I, I read that about reading. Definitely when you read, your vocal cords are reading it, even if you're just with your eyes. So, there is something, it's affecting your body, what you think about. So, if we, we talk about things and we try to think positive thoughts, and say the thoughts that we have to internalize the thoughts we need to hear. That's an interesting exercise. If a person would think, what statements do I need to hear that I've not been saying to myself enough? Do you write them down? That would be great tshuva, great strides. Like let's say, I don't know, whatever it is, person's jealous, 
person should say, I really have everything, or all the statements you really should be saying, and, and explain it to yourself, you know, and, and if it's say throughout the day, but especially when we daven. When we daven, we have an opportunity to train our mind how to feel, and the essence of a human being is his mind. Umodim, and then we admit so by being korim umeshachavim, by bending our knee, which means giving in, and by giving, by giving in further, by actually doing the actions that will make us think of other people and think of Hashem, we will finally have the admission, the recognition that Hashem is melech malchem lachem akadosh baruch that he's the king of all kings, he's holy, and he's separate. Kadosh always means separate, that he has no needs, he's devoid of all needs, he's beyond us, and um, we're supposed to try to emulate that. Kihu notesh he places the skies, right? He sets the skies in place. What does that mean? Hashem's whole intention initially is always for a spiritual purpose. No matter what difficulties we're going through, it's all to serve some spiritual purpose. He first thinks of the Shemaim, and then Yoseid Aretz. And then he sets the, the fundamental foundation of the land. I hope I'm speaking slow enough, Rivka. Umoshav Yakaro, but his preciousness is Bashamayim Mimal. But still, he's, he's way above us. We don't recognize how great he is. And his strength of his presence is in the heavens. Like that's something to very much internalize. He is the only strength in the world. There's no other strength but Hashem. All other powers in the world are null before him. There's nothing. Now, then we say, Hashem is Emes Malkeinu episode. So also means he's true king. It's not dependent on people like usually a king is dependent on his kingdom but his kingdom is independent of whoever recognizes him or doesn't because Beterim call Yetzir Nivra before everything was created now the uh, you should know today and this is what we were talking about before bring it to your heart the Bali Muster always tell us that your head and your heart are like two different continents and the idea is to bridge it, and that's by speech and other things. We're supposed to somehow bridge these two continents that we bring it to our, our, our heart and to our minds, the truth that we already recognize. That's why we have so many actions in Judaism, because the actions make it real. Because, you know, you're not going to just, you have certain philosophies and concepts, they're not going to become real by just thinking about them. We have to do things, and that actually makes us believe them. Now, Part one of Elena Lushabach was composed by Yehoshua, the great Joshua when he crossed the Jordan River. And we said how imperative this was originally. It was only said on Rosh Hashanah since it's so deep and profound. Part two, if anyone was at previous Rosh Hashanah speeches by me, they'll remember who wrote part two. Does anyone know before I give it away? And you have to respond within 30 seconds because I have to use my time and it's far. We're at a far distance here. Okay, so if you remember, part two is written by none other than Achan. Achan was a man who was the sinner in the time of Joshua, the, the major sinner. <clears throat> what did he do? Now, how do we know Achan wrote this? First of all, we have a tradition. 
But al kein nikaveh, therefore we will hope to you, Hashem, stands for achan. Al is ayin, chaf is kein, nikaveh, we hope to you. That stands for achan, you know? Now, the um, we're saying that achan was a person, the major sinner during the time of Yoshua. When they, you know, when the walls of Yericho fell down, um, uh, Yoshua commanded them different reasons, but the, I'll give the easiest one. He said it's Shabbos when the walls fell down. No one can take from the spoils. It was also for uh, other, for spiritual reasons. You know, this was a major uh, showing of how God does everything. So for someone to take from the spoils, it's showing, so to speak, as if you're saying that um, you have part in this victory. We were trying to say it was totally godly. They just ran, marched around seven times with trumpet, with uh, shofaros, and that's that made the walls come down. Not not by our strength, not by our, our you know um, armaments, not by anything. It was all by Hashem's word. Now, so the um, that's the Rashi Tevos is Achan, and he wrote the second part, the last part of Elena Lishabeah. So we have Yoshua, the greatest man of the generation, writing it. And Achan, the last, you know, the lowest, he had committed several sins. He took from the spoils. He took the cloak of the king of Bavel, the royal cloak. He also took gold and silver, and he buried it. And um, they didn't know that he had done committed such a thing until the next um, conquest that they were going to do was a city called Ai. And when I came, they had less soldiers this time because they assumed Hashem was with them. They didn't need it. Their Betachen was getting stronger, and lo and behold, 36 people got murdered by the enemy. And um, some people say 36 is, it was Yari ben Menashe, it was a great Sadiq who was equivalent to 36 people. In whatever case, Yoshua, what is the immediate reaction when we lose a war? Yoshua fell down on his, his, his face and cried. He said, we, we must have done something wrong. There's Shuba, there's something we have to do, with, something's wrong, and that's why we didn't win this time. We cannot continue our conquest until we have the breastplate of the coin guttle. And in Yehuda's stone, something was dim. So they knew something from the tribe of Yehuda. They did some type of goral, which is like a type of, they threw lots. And they found out eventually that Achan was the one that took these things for himself and buried them. Didn't listen to Yeshua. Plus, they say he maybe committed something with an engaged woman, whatever it was. And uh, so this is a man that was lowly in his temptation. Like he was hard to, he was hard for him to have self-control. That was really his thing. Some people say that Achan was really had a lot of he had a good reason for doing this. He felt that there was a mitzvah to take booty, and he differed with Yeshua on his thoughts. He wasn't such a simple Jew. But he did do some sins. There were some major sins that held the whole Jewish people back from conquest, and people died because of Achan. Pretty major, right? <laughs> but let's do now the Alkena Kaven, and we'll learn a special extra lesson at the end of this. Anyways, he says, Alkena Kavelacha, we should still hope to you, Hashem. This is at the moment, he said these words when they were about to stone him. They had to stone him for breaking Shabbos. Some people say he was burned as well. I don't know, him and his, all his livestock and all that stuff. But um, he had to be killed for breaking Shabbos. So we'll hope to you, Hashem. Um, and we will see Tiferes Uzecha. Whenever we talk about the glory of your strength, that refers to the base of Mikdash. This is basically Rav Dessler. I'm 
quoting Other powers, Karosi Karasi, the speech or his own feeling. And desires, and he was negating this so he might say, you're the main thing, and everything else that gets in the way of fearing you should be destroyed. And talk about the Gibulim, uh, that those are the, um, that means really garbage. Can't hear me. Can you hear me now? Okay, we we missed the. No. I, I'm speaking for myself. I missed the past minute. It was breaking up. I'm wondering if you could please repeat it. It sounded very important. Okay, so I was just the past minute. Okay, so we were talking about the Elilim, the powers that be, that the powers, all other powers should be destroyed. Here, Achan with someone. Just one second, I'm getting, I don't know how to turn off all these phones. Okay, any case, so um, it's saying all other powers, Elilim, Karosi Karasin, and the Gilulim, those are the um, this form of idols, which idols should be, we should realize what they really are. They're really idols, they're really nothing. And, um, you know, it's garbage, all that garbage. We should view the world like this, that there's nothing else but Hashem. You know, I just want to throw this in right now, <laughs> um, and, and, and the Polu, um, the they're going to fall from themselves. One thing that's mentioned, Rob Victor Miller mentions in a place, that here's the blurb, you know, especially today with all that's going on in the world, we're very tempted to watch the news. But one reason why the news should not be really looked at too much, if at all, First of all, it's very distracting. We already know there's good guys and bad guys, and there's so much injustice. The problem is it puts Hashem in a bad light. It makes us think that all there is in the world that we see is injustice. And we know this is not the real world. That's 100%, not the real world, this world. Like Rebbeth and um, Steinman, Sechrana Lavracha, she used to call this place the Narisha Veltala, the silly world that exists here. Silly Foolish, not the real world. Uh, you know, we have to internalize things like that. Say that to ourselves. When we get too encompassed in it, you know, there's outrage, there's this, there's that, there's all these things going wrong. And it's true, there are. We could look at the headlines, we can see a little bit into it. But we get too much into it, we forget all the chesed Hashem's doing for us. We don't see it in its proper balance. Because what is news? All that's bad or all that's trashy. You know, it's not for a Jewish person to be so highly engaged in the news. It should be something to glance at sometimes, if at all, and, you know, to be somewhat aware, but it's something we have to keep away from. We have, it takes us away from our mission. Because who wants to get bring all the filth of the world into our homes so much? You know, do we need that? We have to go, we have to try to, you know, transcend it. And the whole world, we've been Kabbal, Malchus Shakai. Now here Hashem's name is Shaddai, which means that he said to the world, stop. Like, why do we call, you know, to accept the ruling of it, the, the rulership, the reign of Hashem, and why is he called die here? There's several reasons. Uh, one thing, l'shadeid means to sharpen. Uh, we should sharpen our perspective towards Hashem. We should correct the world with a sharp perception, seeing that we have a mission 
and we shouldn't lose track of what our mission is. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about, to wash out our brains, shampoo the mind, and remember what we're here in the world, to have a clear vision. Also, Shaddai or Shakai means to con- Hashem controls himself. We don't see Hashem in his gloriousness. He's controlling himself for us to be tested. He's hiding himself for us to be tested with the constant test. And that way we get more reward. And it also looks like Malchus Shakai, it makes us look like his kingdom is dependent upon us accepting it, which is not true. And all people of flesh will call out in your name. They're, uh, you know, the lowest people. The day Basar, all you are is Basar, all you are is piece of meat. They're going to call out in your name. That all the wicked people, they won't maybe call out in your name, but they'll turn to you slightly. You know, everyone, including the wicked, is going to recognize that there's only one God. They'll recognize and they'll internalize. They'll to know, have a real deep understanding. Because to you, every knee will be bent. Every tongue will swear in your name. Now, to swear means you see such a clarity that you're willing to swear by it. I mean, that's very strong. Uh, everyone's going to be Yichrubi Polo. They're going to they're humble themselves before we. Because even though we may not appreciate it, you are indeed the king, no matter what. Um, and you're going to always rule with Kavod. We mentioned many times that Kavod, we say that many times in uh, Kedusha. And not to understand, you know, it just sounds like you're saying on or on or on or on. But kavod, similar to the word kaved, means heavy. That we're saying that there's nothing in Hashem's world that's nothing, that's light. There's no lightweight thing. Every bug is meant to eat this leaf. And this, this animal is meant to eat this bug. And this person is meant to eat this animal. And it all goes in a whole chain. Every single thing is pre-calculated, pre-ordained. And that includes my life, Right? So we are supposed to know that everything is vital. That's when we're saying, everything is vital. You're going to always be vital. So that's the end of Aleinu. Now, the interesting thing is, we're told, let me just see if I have the, I want the sources here. Um, I believe, it, it, well, first of all, the way Yoshua, the Yoshua Bidun, he persuaded when he was speaking to Achan, he told him, it says, that a person speaking gently, softly, you can stop somebody from being angry or from doing sin. It said he told him, you're going to be our brother, just admit. It, originally, Achan lied and told everybody he didn't do anything wrong. Even though the, everything was pointing toward him, he didn't admit. Eventually, he merited to compose this part of the Elenu L'Shabach with his thoughts before his death that everyone should just fall and accept Hashem. He was equ- his prayer was equally put next to that of Yoshua's. And it says that he said that the Yalka Ben brings down that he was Zaycha after he died to sit with Avram Avinu and Yosef Atzadik in Gan Eden. Now, that's very hard to fathom, but this tells us Beautiful. Think on, on Rosh Hashanah. 
that even if we think we're we're low, you know, even if we think we're the worst sinners, anybody can do tshuva. And thank God we're not having capital punishment before we do it. We have a chance now, Rosh Hashanah, we can trans, tra, you know, trans. Uh, uh, transmit ourselves, change ourselves totally. Even a person like Achan can be zeichet to, to, to write the Elena Lishabach and sit in a place in Gan Eden only by doing tshuva. Person has a, a potential, and you know th- th- that's what we have. That um, oh, uh, all right. Now, so let's get on to. I want to do zechronos and shifras. The little bits to think about when we're saying zechronos. That's the second, like, main theme of the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. The Musaf of Rosh Hashanah is the longest Amidah of the year, but it's vital. It teaches us so many truths that we need to put into the kishkas, put into the brain. Now, the, um, the okay, the, 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 uh, this one I'm going to say to you now is from Shimshon Pincus itself. He says, when man was created, the Malachim said, Ma enosh kisis karenu, and parakhas of Telem. Who is, what is humanity that you should remember them? Now, theme says Rosh Hashem that they ask the question means, obviously, Hashem was saying to them that man is worthy of being remembered. What is so, and it says later, in fact, man is only slightly lower than, so to speak, the divine. How is that? We have a common denominator with Hashem. And that's called our free will. No other being in this universe has that free will, that we can make choices and we can go either way and we make right choices. It's a huge thing because here where there was an, an opportunity to do something the opposite and we didn't, we didn't succumb. We become godly or, you know, now when Hashem remembers us, what that's telling us is that our deeds are very important. If, you're me- if things are recorded, if things are memorized, that means everything you do is relevant. Things are relevant. Now, furthermore, if there's no zichronos, how important is malchios? Like if it, we're saying Hashem is our king, right? That's the main theme of malchios, which is aleinu l'shabeach. We're talking about making God our king. Like really, that means everything we do, we want to do it for the sake of serving God. We owe him our lives. We owe him everything. And he's promising us uh, the world to come. <laughs> we then, of course, we owe him our allegiance, everything. We owe him everything that we have, and he's going to reward us for that, but not just for that purpose. Ultimately, the whole world was created to give reward to our souls. Give us reward. So it's a great thing. So everything we do is very relevant. Now, if, if God didn't remember us, like, meaning if we were small beings, if we were just like, just be happy, we didn't drink all day and say your prayers by rote and do whatever you do, then why would God create such lowly beings in his world? I mean, he has lowly beings as well. He has them, but they're here to, you know, there's a purpose, and the highest purpose was man, and the highest purpose of mankind was we're spo- we as Jewish people are supposed to be the light of the nations. You know, if you're the light of the nations, then, you know, obviously you have to make yourself worthy of being remembered. It says man was made, Adam is similar to the word Adama. It's all Rishim Shimpinkas, this, this theory that I'm mentioning now. Adama is fertile. Earth is fertile. Victor Miller once said there are more microorganisms in one square foot of soil than there is the population of New York City. 
So they're, they, you know, there's the best fertile all this possibility and all this life going on underneath where it's vegetable or mineral or, or, or actually living beings, microbacterial, whatever, all this thing going on. Also, human beings have such potential that they can develop themselves majorly. A person can make himself, and it's also, but either you could be blata, you could be mud, you could be dirty, dirt, filthy dirt, or you could be adabe. I am similar to my creator. I am similar to my creator, the person that, that makes these decisions and, and overcomes himself. We have that parallel to Hashem. Now, Rav Simshin Pincus says, the least thing you should think about yourself. We're not the king on Rosh Hashanah, but the fact that we can coronate the king. Picture yourself as they chose this 10-year-old. Well, they do this in the Olympics. They have the guy that's the torchbearer. He has this moment on camera. We are climbing upstairs, and we're going to put the crown on the king's head. You're relevant. You're very relevant. But then the decisions we make, which are godly, and then there is a godliness inside of us. That's that's a very important imperative, and um, you know we have to we can't minimize that. So when we say zichronos, there's twofold. God is remembering us and scrutinizing our deeds, and we should scrutinize our deeds as well because they're going to be scrutinized. We should be looking. What do I have to fix this year? What can I correct about myself? What's improper? What could be better? I told this story before, but I just love it, so please forgive me. Um, there's a story my son once told me. I'll, I'll give an abridged version because we're running late. But um, the abridged version is that there were two boys in Philadelphia that went collecting on Purim for the Philadelphia Shiva. And, uh, all yeshivas dispersed to go collecting for Purim, for the sake of their yeshivas, because that's when people donate more money. Now, two these two boys happened to go to Los Angeles, and they met up with someone, a benefactor there, who said to them, I will give you each a check on the spot for $5,000 if you agree to jump in fully clothed to my swimming pool. So um, both boys, uh, you know, <laughs> they figured for the sake of Philadelphia yeshiva, we'll both take the plunge, and they jumped in. With all, you know, their hat, the whole business, the jacket, everything for the sake of Torah. They jumped in. They came to Ripsvay. They gave him big checks. He was, I said, Baruch Hashem, we such a nice check. And they, he said, how did you get such a donation from this man? And they told him. And he said, I want you to witness what I'm about to do. I'm going to tear up both of your checks. And they said, why are you doing such a thing? He says, I'm doing such a thing because Torah deserves respect and recognition. person studying Torah deserves respect and recognition. If you're going to low, lower yourself to such a degree that you are such a lowly person that you're nothing, if you're going to do such a thing, then it, it lessens the, the, the covet had Torah, the, the respect for Torah, and under those conditions, we can't accept funds. You know, look at the world we live in today. People are willing to do the lowest things. There was years ago this ALS challenge where you pour a bucket of, of uh, ice on your head, you challenge your friend, and the money is going to go to charity. What are we already? I once was at the X years ago, maybe five years ago. I remember in the summer, it was horrible. There was an ice skating demonstration. And as a woman, I could attend. And I had to walk out in the middle because people were scantily dressed. 
even though it, it technically is, there's nothing wrong with it, but it was like a disgrace to people. And a lot of the skaters were dressed up as animals and they were on all fours. And I said, what, a human being should be an animal? Like, what is this? And we see people that today, they're just like, what people are willing to tattoo their whole body and they're willing to, like, it's like they're, they're minimizing what the creator gave them, that the Jewish or the human soul, you know, is, is, it should be an animal like an animal's an animal and the person's a person we're, we're on a different level and if we have those expectations of ourselves that's what zikronos means rev nevin salshlita tells us that zikronos teaches us that man's deeds are have a direct impact on all the heavens above all the heavenly worlds are impacted from what we do Sifzechayim tells us, we talk about Zechronos, that all our existence depends on Hashem remembering us. If Hashem doesn't remember us, then we're goners, you know. Now, Hashem doesn't forget. <laughs> we're going to say, if you see the words of the Zechronos, we're going to do it inside now, just some of them. It says, Atazocher, you remember. That's present tense. You see, Masay Olam, all the actions of the world. Now, when you say that, for sure, all is one. I'm breaking up. <laughs> is it okay now? Just let me know when you see it's going smoothly. I don't know. Just it's, Sometimes I don't get a good connection. The last sentence. Okay. You remember the actions of the world. The actions of the present tense, that's Hazocher. You remember the actions of the world. There is no past, present, and future to Hashem. He sees all of the scenery and a panorama of the world in one second. So you're standing shoulder to shoulder with Sarah Schneer, Sarah Imenu, Rivka Imenu. You and the, you were in the same world standing. You know, it, 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 it's, we, have to, we have to understand how do we fit in this world. Of course, we're not on their level, but are we fitting into this picture? How do we, we ruin the picture? Do, how do we, do we fit in? Can we try to fit in with our minds? Ufokade call Yitzurei Kedem. And you, Fokade means tafkid, to give a job. You give a mission to all, all creations from the past, from forever. In other words, um, it means that on Rosh Hashanah, things are going to be designated. What your, what your mission is going to be based on how you performed. Now, that doesn't mean we all were a bunch of sinners last year, and that's why we got COVID-19. You know, it doesn't mean that. It means for whatever, for our perfection, we globally, nationally, whatever, all needed this to be a backdrop. It makes us hyper-focus on what we're here for. And, we, and it, it'll help us right now. This year, Rosh Hashanah, to hyper-focus on, to remove it, to eradicate it. Let's not forget. Let's hope to eradicate it with the coming of Mashiach. Let's be kivisi kolayim. I don't just want to get rid of COVID. We want to get Hashem should be our king, and that's the main thing we have to focus on. That lefanecha neglu kol talumos. Before you, all the hidden things, even hidden from a person himself, are revealed to Hashem. And all the hidden things, even from the beginning of time. Adam Arishon, the first man, God asked him, Ayeka, where, where are you? He's asking, where are you? And he knew where Adam was because Adam was, he was trying to say, I heard Hashem's voices and I hid. 
he, he, what defines sin is not wanting to know, not wanting to know the truth. You know, people blame other people for their sins. People don't want to come come to grips with what they're doing wrong. Um, because God does not forget. He doesn't just revisit a person and say, okay, today I remember you, now you'll be healed. God knows about that. There's no, you have to remind him. He, the question is, we have to remind ourselves. He's waiting for certain things to happen. Everything's important by Hashem. That's what Rav Dest was telling him. When he says there's no forgetfulness, we forget things that are unimportant to us. You know, I once years ago took a, a poll of people. There used to be a halal meat store on Bathurst. And I asked a poll of high school girls. These are girls with nice, clear minds. I asked them, how many of you know there's a halal meat store on Bathurst? And I think one out of a whole class knew it. And some of them were walking past there all, all the time. It used to be where the old um, kosher natural was. The, um, the reason why people didn't remember, the one person that did, by the way, had something Arabic in the family, I remember, some, somehow connection. People don't remember things that are unimportant to them. When it says, God doesn't forget. And there's nothing that's erased that, that you can't see. There's nothing you don't see. What we're saying is that Hashem can see everything. He, can see, he doesn't forget us. He's constantly focused on us, and we're important to him. And we have to, again, just like God doesn't forget us, we shouldn't forget him. It's supposed to be a mutual thing. And the more we remember him, the more he remembers us positively. As we know there's a thing like that, in Bitachon at least, the degree that you uh, trust in Hashem, the degree you'll see miracles. But we're not on that level. So it does, it does accumulate, accrue interest. But the people that are totally at one with Hashem, like live with him, they live like a whole, everything, they see things because that's where they're, that madrega they're on in Bitachon. Beskola Mithal, you see present, all the present that's going on and the past. So you're so fast you, that what we do can affect generations. And you see Masa Ishuf Kudaso, the actions of each person, and, and he scrutinized and how will it give him an appointment for next year. And it, it also talks Masa Ishuf Kudaso, what we could have done. What, this is the Sifse Chaim here. What could we have done with our lives instead? Masa Ish, what he did, Ufkudaso, what he could have done. Then Alilos Mitzadei Gavir, and the steps of, and the, 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 thinking the things that they could do wrong in the steps of man, how the steps we take could be misused. Now, you know, when a person does any particular action, let's say something simple like raising of the hand, it looks so simple, right? But it really isn't. There's many muscles involved. There's many seconds involved until a person raises their hand. It's a very big, it's a huge endeavor, as people know, if ever they're compromised in any way. It, it is a lot of different things that take place, muscular, muscularly, neurologically, uh, bone-wise, everything. All these things are involved. So, too, any action we do, we say, oh, I did this. You give a check for Saka. What are your motives? What are your steps that you took? The thoughts, your plans. The Yitzre Ma'alaleish and all the actions you did, what Yitzhahara was involved? What are our motives when you do something? 
it's good, you know, we can't always take stock, but it's good even before bed, we could think one thing, you know, maybe we could take stock, at least now, before the young rhyme. First of all, we should take stock every day of what we do right. That's very important because most of us need a pat on the shoulder. It says, um, I heard this recently on the Vitachan Hotline, Yehalel Chazar Velo Picha. It's a pasuk in, um, I believe it's in Mishle, that a stranger should praise you and not your own mouth. Now, that's the way normally it looks like. You shouldn't go taunt, go, go say how great you are. Because people tend eh, look at you talking about yourself. You don't, but let other people praise you. It's, it's much better for your sake. The, um, but I heard another explanation, that if people don't praise you, Yalel Chazar, strangers don't praise you, Beloy, and they don't, Picha, the Marsha says, you should praise yourself. You should pump yourself up and praise yourself. You say how great you are. Say how great you are. Say all your, the, the, you know, the, 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 how great I am. Because all beginnings, says Rabbeinu Yonah, is with Gaiva. Person, if we just think we're a nobody and a nothing, we're not going to try even the first step. First, we have to think we're a somebody. After we think we're a somebody, then we can talk about a nevis. But somebody, not a somebody that I'm great. Everything we have anyways is Hashem. If you're talented in any which way, God gave it to you. If you have a soul, God gave it to you. So you really can't get too far into yourself. But we should say, I'm a being of infinite value. I have a lot of, I have a lot of potential inside of me coursing through my veins that I can accomplish. And that's why Hashem thinks we're worthy of scrutinizing. And the Yitzre Ma'alaleish, the Yitzhahara, we have to know, like, what, why, what got in my way this time? Why did, especially before the high holidays, now we should scrutinize, like, what could I work on? What are the main things that I failed in that gets in my way? What, what, what gets, what, what gets me that doesn't, that stops me from my chance, from achieving my goal? Rav Chatzka Levenstein, uh, there was once someone that came to him um, and asked him, you know, why do you Bali Musa spend so much time in dealing with the workings of the Yetzirah? You know, <laughs> why don't you just focus only on the good? Like, why should you analyze at all what your, mis- your misdeeds? Why should you think about, let's say, I was too envious this time, or I was too angry this time, or I was um, not giving this person enough respect, or all the things we could be improving on. So Chatzka Levenstein said there was a story about a great uh, tycoon in, uh, where was it? I think in, in Shanghai, yeah, when the- Oh, when the Miri she was in Shanghai by the name of Sassoon. And Mr. Sassoon, I think he was the one that built the great shul that ended up being the location of the Miri Yeshiva in Shanghai. Any case, this Mr. Sassoon unfortunately had bought previously a certain property from the Chinese government. You know, we all know what that means today. <laughs> he bought a certain property and he built a certain building on it. This is not the Miri Yeshiva. And it turned out the building was sinking a few inches into the ground every year. And, you know, he's stood to lose a lot of money. They did some analysis, and they found out, they checked the records. It was previously a garbage dump. And for miles underneath, this thing was built not on a firm foundation. So, so you know, what, worth, what good is that building if it's built on such a flimsy foundation? So, too, says Rav Chatzko, if we're building any mitzvah we do, and we don't scrutinize what we did wrong, what good is it? You know, what foundation? That's why it says, um, Fortune is the man that won't forget you. And a man that should strengthen himself and try to not be lazy when thinking of you, when thinking of you, Hashem. 
Um, if the, all the people that reach out for you, Hashem, and that hope to you will never be embarrassed, all the people that depend on you. So the whole thing, again, in, on Rosh Hashanah is the focus, to remember Hashem, to make him king. That's the way we're going to remember Hashem. Just a few more minutes. I'll just say a few words about Shofar uh, and what we should think about. Okay. So, and then we'll conclude. Now, Rosh Hashanah really marks a day that major changes took place. This is the day that Yitzchak gave his brachas to Esav and Yaakov. This is the day that the, the servitude in Egypt ended, and six months later we exited Egypt. And also this is when Yosef left prison, when he was freed from prison. All happened on Rosh Hashanah. That's how monumental of a day it is that affects our whole year, and we said we have to plug into it because it really, that day is really when you rev your engines again and you're being judged. Uh, this is when you have more potential to change your time. And it's not about what you feel on Rosh Hashanah. It's what you do, that every moment is being judged and scrutinized more than the rest of the year because the whole year will be based on Rosh Hashanah. Now, let's think about some symbolism that we have, symbolisms that we find in the shofar. Number one, the Benish Chai says that the shofar is constructed in a way we blow into it and it's narrow in the beginning, it widens. The whole idea of our breath is something that's not tangible, not finite. That's the idea of spirituality. And we blow to increase our spirituality. That's really the, one of the messages of shofar. Shofar, by the way, is similar to the Hebrew, where like when you find people have a last name, maybe they're, they're, um, their uh, forebearers were people that um, that have made constructed shofars like Saperstein or Sapir or Super. All those names come from shofar. Lishaper means to perfect, really, to perfect yourself, to improve yourself is more correct. Sorry, not perfect. Well, they're both the same, to improve yourself. Shofar is here to improve us. These are all under the subheadings under making God our king. That's the main theme of Rosh Hashanah. But we make him our king by scrutinizing our deeds, remembering that he remembers, and we remembering him instead of ourselves and trying to get inject more of Hashem in our lives on a daily basis. And we also have now Shofras. Shofras teaches us several different lessons. Now just to read to you one thing I want to share with you that's brought down in the Sifse Chaim. And... Here it is. Okay, the Gravi Salanter writes in Or Yisrael. I had just thought this was very moving, so I wanted to share it with you. Man and his family are in great danger at the time of blowing the shofar. They're having a big judgment. He ate the Kiyas shofar Baruch Hashanah, the time when they blow the shofar. Man is then being thought of and judged for his deeds. Like super scrutinized. He's scrutinized all the time. Everything is relevant. Otherwise, Hashem wouldn't have created it. But so especially, we know this, this is the designated day for us to clean out our brains. And we have to scrutinize more. And this is when God scrutinizes us more. And this moment, man is like the, the, the high priest going into the Holy of Holies. Like it says in Chazal, it's, it's, um, in Rosh Hashanah. 
And when this, a person should think, if he was the kind Godel, and he, I'm going to paraphrase it now, and he had to go into the Yom, Yom Kippur and Kaddish HaKadosh, and he'd be shaking. And, you know, and, and, and but you, uh, uh, that, that's how you should strengthen yourself with a Munas Chachamim in a Talmud that said that we can't even blow the sh- the chauffeur of a cow because the the sin of the golden calf was with a calf. So we can't use a cow's horn for that reason. So in other words, we should have any misdeed that should be on us at the moment that we're blowing shofar that we can be as pure as possible. And that's why we're using that of the ram. Now, what's the significance? Many, many different ideas. Hopefully in five minutes you'll have most of them. I'm going to do it in very short, concise order. Okay, one is we blow shofar. This is the times we used to blow shofar. Um, shofar was blown in Matan Torah. We heard a shofar, right? There was the idea of it when Yitzhak was put up to, so to speak, to be slaughtered, and then they ended up slaughtering a ram. That's another time it's mentioned significantly is the shofar. They say by Mashiach, shofar will blow. There'll be a big shofar, and Yovel. Yovel is when all the, free, the slaves were freed, which is the Jubilee year after the end of seven. Uh, years uh, seven times Shemitah years. Now that's the times it was blown. Also, um, okay. So what are the, all the meanings there? So just to make it in a very concise form, Rabbi Yisrael Kinnerik tells us. The Rambam says Xera Sakasuhi. We don't even know Tkiyah Shofar has no meaning. So we're, whatever we're going to say now, it's it's Xera We have to do it because we're told to do it, right? The um, when we're told that it's exerus hakasu, that it's just it's it's very instructive, the idea to hear shofar lishmoa b'kol shofar means we are basically to mimic what we've been saying until now, basically encapsulate everything is we are saying we are making Hashem's will our will. We are subjugating ourselves, and that's one of the main things of shofar. We talk about akedas yitzchak, yitzchak being ready to be slaughtered both by his father and by himself. That's the idea of Hashem, we're willing to give everything for you. At the end, it had to be done to a, to a ram, because Avram was so ready to do whatever it took, and it was against everything he believed in, everything. He, he didn't believe in human sacrifice. He didn't believe in, in, uh, in, 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 in God and uh, in, in, in acts, acts that were anti-chesed. And here he was instructed to do both, and he was willing to do them, because Hashem said so. And this is what we're supposed to think about when we do shofar. We're willing to give, make our will your will. We're willing to be obedient and, and give up ourselves. Uh, um, you know, make something new of ourselves. Make a sisim ola. We said that's the, the lushan used by Karbanas on Rosh Hashanah. You make for yourself an ola. You make for yourself a, a proper sacrifice. I'm ready, Hashem, to give you everything. So that's one interpretation of shofar. Uh, second one, that's Mesiris Nefesh of the Akedah. The second thing, they blew chatzotzros, they blew trumpets when they would uh, at happy times, um, and also when they coronated kings, also when there was a court case, at times of simcha. What do all these things have in common? But besides the fact that we're, we're putting it all back, we're coronating the king, like we're making Hashem the king over us, we're willing to give up everything for him, just like our forefathers were. There's another idea a thing during war, and uh, it, we're talking about we are willing to fight our Yetzirah. That's the trua 
The true is a, a war type of a blast, and that's saying that we're willing to, you know, go out to war with ourselves to serve God. Shvar means to break up, you know, break up your life, like by moaning or groaning or sobbing, or also by breaking up what we've done wrong. And um, Takia is a very solid blast. That's the idea of, of what did I say? The, the uh, Nesivas Shalom says, no, I'm sorry, Sifzichayim says that it's permanent, like an idea of being Takia is one straight blast. That's saying we're stabilized. We want to stabilize ourselves and regulate ourselves to be serving Hashem. And these were done, the, these blasts were also done at times of Simcha, at the times of when they bring sacrifices on Yantif. So what does that have to do with anything? So even though we're judged in Rosh Hashanah, you know, we are supposed to eat and drink. We're supposed to have meals. Festive, but take it down a notch, not as much as like Sukkot or Shavuot or Pesach, because there is a judgment here. We don't say Hallel, but we are, we do, if they say man could take his haircut and we, we shower and be bathed and we, we we're, we're somewhat, you know, we're Shabbat stick. And the reason for that is because the happy, there's a bigger picture. Who are we subjugating ourselves to? To Hashem. Hashem loves us more than our parents love us. Hashem made your nose. Your father maybe wasn't so happy you inherited his nose. But Hashem is very happy. Hashem picked out the eye color. He picked out the entire life, the lifespan we're going through. He loves us more than anyone else. And that's who we're subjugating ourselves to. Very interesting. I saw in the TED this week a beautiful thought that the, the, the Pinchas Lipschitz, the editor, wrote. No, 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 I'm sorry, not the editor. This was Rav Yaakov Tzvi, Yitzhak Tzvi Schwartz. He writes a beautiful column. And in his column, he mentions he always was wondering about the words. All of a sudden, he went to think deeply into some of the hymns that we see in Rosh Hashanah. One of them is, Lekel Orechdin. Literally, it means the God who sets aside judgment, right? But in modern Hebrew, and, it, and another way of doing it, an Orechdin is a lawyer. So even though God's our judge, he's our chief advocate. Even if you look at in the words of Unasana Tokef, it says that he's the witness and he's the judge and he hears everything, but he's also, he wants us to live. He's our biggest cheerleader. He wants us to, he wants us to make, you know, do the right thing. The chauffeur's supposed to be, says Zerbihudalev Chaspin, the wake-up call. That's what the Rambam says, Ur stop sleeping. Yudalev Chasman says, when a person sleeps, he thinks all is well. When you sleep, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing missing. You don't feel a need to grow. But um, we're not supposed to be asleep in our life. We're supposed to realize we have a mandate and a mission. We're supposed to be better than we were last year, better than the minute we were, a minute before. We're supposed to try to constantly grow and not be like, we'll just end off with the idea of the beaver from Rav Shalom Shwadran. Rav Shalom Shwadran says, Beaver, brilliant architect, brilliant architect, the beaver. If you ever see a beaver dam, it's, it's an amazing, amazing work of creation. Mom is brilliant. However, beaver has one flaw. It's a creature of habit that it's very easy, apparently, to trap a beaver. You just, it takes the same path every day, no matter what. Even if it's heard, even if it notices other beavers die in that, in that path, it doesn't mind doing it because same old, same old. Let's not be the beaver, and let's change and recreate our minds. Vasisim Ola. Let's change ourselves. Let's be Aleinu l'shabeach t'mech Hashem the Melech al kol haaretz, and that is the remnant of Mashiach. Tchias amesim yovel. Everyone's free. It's a freeing, redeeming idea that we have no distractions. Let's not be distracted by the outside world too much because it's there to test us, and we are supposed to. It, it, it takes us away from our mission on earth.
and let's be zeichet to have exceeded the chesima taiva, a sweet new year, and Mashiach to kenu bimheir v'yameinu, amen.